It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. It's Wednesday, the 23rd of August. Uh, you're watching Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer, on Talk. Coming up, former Met Peace officer Adam Proven has been jailed for 16 years for multiple rapes against a female police officer and a teenage girl. And once again, many, many opportunities to stop him years earlier were missed. Meanwhile, the government did try to block London Mayor Sadiq Khan's ex uh, bid to expand London's ULES zone, but lawyers warned it would be rejected by the courts. And surgeons have performed Britain's first womb transplant on a 34-year-old woman who received the organ from her sister and hopes to get pregnant this year. 6.33 is the time. This is Talk Breakfast. Well, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Lots to talk about this morning, a whole range of different stories around this morning. And joining me for the chat this morning is editor at Spiked Online, Tom Slater. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Um, front pages, actually, are pretty much dominated uh, by this story of uh, Britain's first womb transplant. Mm -hmm. uh, 17 hours of operations overall for the two women. A 40-year-old woman donated her womb to her younger sister. She's 34. She was born without a womb. 
didn't know personally that was a thing, um, uh, but unable therefore to uh, carry her own children. Um, she had frozen eggs. The older sister had already had two children. Um, so, I mean, wonderful, loving thing to do because this is a really serious operation under general anaesthetic to have a wound removed uh, and then given to her sister. It appears to have been successful. It's not the first in the world, but it's the first in this country. Um, this is being held as a, you know, a real move forward for... I mean, let's face it, pretty small number of women mm -hmm. who'd be in this situation. But um, do you welcome this or is there an element where a lot of people, I think, will be perhaps not sharing the sort of the joy that appears to be on the front pages of the newspapers today that actually it's getting to the point where we're sort of, I don't know, are we interfering too much? I'm all for interfering. I'm all for playing God, as some people sometimes call it, insofar as these breakthroughs obviously can often make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. They can mm. kind of feel like too much of a leap forward. But if you think about the people who could benefit from this, as you're saying, it's a relatively rare number of women who might have this particular predicament, but still yeah. being able to have children the way that they would want to, I think that can only be to the good. I also think these breakthroughs can lead to other breakthroughs. That's always the nature That's of That's the these crucial things. thing, isn't there, it? There is an element of them. Of course, there's always going to yeah. be ethical consideration we should debate and think about, but often just that kind of march of progress, in a sense, mm. can can only be the good. To do this, yeah, you could do, you could do this in other forms. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, it's interesting, the front of the Telegraph, the only paper to mention this early on, is that this paves the way for trans women, i.e. men, um, to get womb transplants and so that a man, not just this nonsense you see on the front page, oh, a man, a mm. pregnant man. You're not a pregnant man, you're a woman. That's how you got pregnant. You can you can grow a moustache with some hormones, but you're still a woman. Um, but um, but carrying a child, so a man carrying a child, obviously not able to give birth because mm -hmm. you need a, um, a naturally, you, you, you need other, other bits and bobs for that. Um, but again, that to me would go into territory I'd be very unhappy with simply because, again, you're messing about with the, with the life of, a, of, a, of an unborn child, you know, the impact of, of any, any hormones that had been taken by, by the person in this scenario and just the, any extra risk. Look, I, I lost four babies to miscarriage. Anyone who puts any unborn baby to any extra risk that they need, than they need to be, I'm, you know, get a surrogate would be my mm. answer in that scenario. There are people willing to do that. Um, but th there are always those concerns on that you get into sort of Frankenstein territory. People start going, well, hold on a minute. Is this is this the right thing to do? And in this scenario, this is a wonderful gift from a sister to a sister. Um, and having the same genetic material uh, would, would be very important, I think, certainly in the early days of this. But uh, you, as you say, you think this is, this is just about the future. I mean, it may be that we all we all have, you know, organs grown for us. And when, you know, we need a, I don't know, a kidney transplant, mm -hmm. we just grow an organ for ourselves. We could, don't even need a transplant from someone else. It could be all kinds of things. Who knows? But I, I think it's one of those things where just because a procedure exists doesn't mean that the debates that we're going to have about the rights and wrongs of it in certain situations yeah. aren't going to carry on. Yeah. One thing, you know, one thing doesn't necessarily lead to the other. I also imagine it's probably quite a fair way off insofar yeah. as being able to transplant a, a womb into a, into a biological male. So, no, use, um, the word, use the word man. Man, man. sorry. I'm, 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 wanna... you know, for Ofcom reasons, I had to say <laughs> biological male for a long time. Man. Use the right words. So let's not get. Let's I, not go I, down I that dare line. say it's that's not that wouldn't be an easy um, installation at this point. Mm. No, so. indeed, indeed. Look, let's talk about another big story because I mean, so much of the last few years we were talking about um, the issues with the police and um, focus has been very much on the Metropolitan Police and wrongdoing. Wayne Cousins, of course, uh, who, who abducted, raped, and murdered um, Sarah Everard, and of course the the, the 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 David Carrick case as well. Again, a man who's just been you know sexually harassing, controlling, raping women um, for for years. And in both cases, there were so many warnings in advance, not just weeks, months, but years in advance, often before they even became police mm -hmm. officers, certainly early on in their police careers. Yet again, 
here we are um, with another man, Adam Proven, a 44-year-old who's been convicted of raping a fellow female officer six times and twice raping a 16-year-old girl. Um, and once again, he could have been stopped if the Met Police had acted sooner. And that's uh, it's been admission, open admission from the Metropolitan Assistant Commissioner, Louisa Rolf. Um, she, she gave her an apology, effectively, to the victims um, after... Um, Judge Noel Lucas Casey, so who's, who's dealing with the case, accused of also being more concerned about protecting one of their own mm. than investigating complaints against Proven uh, in 2005. Um, uh, he wasn't actually reported for rape by the 16-year-old uh, until 2016 that he was actually arrested and her fight to see her attacker behind bars began. There was a previous trial in 2018. He won an appeal and then he's been convicted again. I mean, this has been an absolute, I mean, terrible trauma for his victims. We don't know how many more there are. That's the worry. And how many more police officers there are. Is it a good sign that we are seeing these cases come forward at least now? Is that a sign the Met Police is taking this stuff seriously? I think there's more scrutiny on them for cases like this as well, which is no doubt a good thing. I think ever since the Sarah Everard case in particular, there's been the, the sense in which any kind of sniff of a story like this is going to be something which is going to be front page news, is going to be investigated to the hill. Not as if journalists were ignoring them to begin with, but there's a much bigger national conversation about those things. Well, we didn't know about cliche. them. Exactly. And this is something, this case just feels particularly shocking and appalling not least because you know the excuse looking after one of their own is morally contemptible in any situation yeah. why should one of your own be abusing and yeah. violently i mean the idea that i also well, say, say one of my colleagues uh, here at talk and, and i and i thought they, they, they were raping women i mean like, well yeah but he works here i mean that, that's a, that's such an absurd mm. idea but that's it is it about people protecting their own or is it actually the fear I mean, i've spoken to so many police officers on and off air who've told me the thing is if you speak out even when there is obvious clear wrongdoing you're the one who's punished mm -hmm. and that's what's so shocking about this especially because you talk about protecting one of your own but what about your other female police officers yeah. do they not factor into this conversation so it's one of those things where unfortunately though we've seen it in institutions other than the police recently not least with the lucy letby case where it's just that desire to keep a story out of the headlines to not have to escalate yeah. things to the top level to in some level just that kind of fear and inertia and not wanting to take something seriously is so indeed permeates these institutions we really need to find a way of tackling well, absolutely. it I mean, let's let's have a little watch and a little listen uh, to um a, a, well she's a young woman but she was 16 when she was raped by proven her name is lauren taylor i have to say i have nothing but admiration and respect for the women who come forward and decide to you know, basically waive their right to lifelong anonymity um, to speak out about these, these being, being the victims of these crimes and being the survivors of these crimes. Because there is no shame to being the victim of a rapist. And there is no shame at all. We should, and, and the reason, you know, this is about protecting women who don't want to come forward. But, but I'm, I'm, I could have, if she was my daughter, my God, I have nothing but proud, pride in her for, for coming out and speaking. And, and this is what Lauren Taylor had to say about her ordeal. I just remember being against this tree and I just remember... You know, I don't feel like I was there mentally. I think my body was there, but I had, my mind had gone somewhere else. And I feel like that was a coping mechanism to get through the trauma that I was, you know, facing. And I completely switched off from it, even though there was no emotion. I was just froze, frozen with fear, I think. 
Well, that's an interview she did with Sky News. Um, she, I mean, she's spoken about it in the way that a lot of victims have spoken about it. People say, well, you know, you, well, did, did you fight back? Mm -hmm. You know, you're 16 years old. He's a police officer. He's bigger and stronger than you. And actually, again and again, we actually hear that that's what women do. They don't fight back because they're so terrified and they're just, it's an out-of-body experience. And it's the only way that they can emotionally, psychologically mm -hmm. cope with, with, with what's happening to them. Um, but again, the main thing is you go back again and again and again, there were warning signs about this guy. Within a couple of months of him joining the police in 2003, he was accused of sexually touching a 15-year-old and eventually was interviewed under caution. No further action was taken by the CPS. Two years later, a female officer, the other victim, he eventually was convicted of raping, made an allegation of harassment against him. He was told, right, nothing will happen. But, you know, she was talked out of carrying on, with it, as is always the case. He was told, look, don't make any contact with her. He then proceeded to con incessantly email her and contact her. When she took every single bit of contact he made with her to her senior officers, instead of them saying, right, he's out, he's clearly a wrong mm -hmm. he's clearly a danger or prosecuting him for harassing her, um, um, they, they said, oh, don't worry, he'll, he'll stop, just don't reply. I mean... This thing, I remember, I, I was, uh, I was not a victim, but, you know, I had a stalker many years ago when I was a newspaper journalist. And, um, and this guy was on the phone constantly. I mean, just constantly through my work. Um, and when I went to the police, I said, I'm being stalked by mm -hmm. somebody. And, you know, I live alone. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this. He knows my name. I'm, you know, he knows where I work. Um, and their response was, why don't you change your mobile phone number? And I'm like, yeah, that, that's that's not a solution to this problem. The solution was he actually later got convicted of threatening to rape and kill and stalking uh, another woman and her children. Um, so, you know, I stopped him rather early on in, the, in mm -hmm. his tracks. Um, thank goodness. But um, but it's, you know, the, 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 this tells you what the police think about these cases. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard to tell whether or not this is an issue which is exclusively bound with the police or whether or not this is a kind of broader issue with how these kind of bureaucracies tend to work nowadays, where the only thing they're really interested in is avoiding a bit of bad press. The only thing they're interested in is protecting their own, as we've talked about. So yeah. without wanting to kind of suggest that the police is full of wrongings necessarily, no, of I'm not. sure there is an element of certain personality types being attracted to a certain type of role and wanting to exploit the benefits such as they are that come with the badge yeah. and so on but that being said i think this is a kind of broader problem that exists with In institutions exactly yeah look, i've got really good friends with police officers I mean, can we please make it really really clear no one here is saying I mean, the mm -hmm. vast majority of police officers are really good people who want to do a, a, a really good job for the public and, and and get up every day trying to trying to make life better for people and and um, you know, and are not particularly well rewarded for doing mm -hmm. so. And I think they're being filled um, and they want these people out. They're as horrified by these people. As well. But this ties in with the Lucy Letby case, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Because that another institution, NHS Trust. No, this isn't NHS, you know, you know, uh, you know, criticism. This is any institution. But we know the NHS has got a history of this again and again. Mm -hmm. We know the Metropolitan Police have a history of it again and again and again. Where um, just, oh, you know, but oh, let's not make a fuss. And oh, oh, you know, we don't want, we don't want people, this, we all, this excuse always used we don't want people to lose faith mm. one of the hospital managers told one of these doctors who was a whistleblower dr stephen berry you know that you know we, you know, we don't want to have you know police tape everywhere. We don't want to have patients losing trust in in the in our our maternity services. The same way we don't want people losing trust in the Met Police. But talking to certainly my female colleagues this morning um, about the police, we were all saying like, would you would you trust being alone with a male police officer? No. 
Well, None of us would. That's a terrible thing to think. The logic's completely twisted. What makes people have lack of faith in the police things, like the Sarah Everard case in the way which it was handled? What makes people have lack of faith in a maternity hospital, essentially providing cover for a baby killer? These things <laughs> seem to me to be much more serious than just allowing yeah. the law enforcement yeah. to take its course when credible concerns are arisen. Surely Absolutely. that's better. But. Well, I do think these, these stories tie in very closely to, again, to people who are worried about their careers, people who are worried about the institutions they work for and their reputations, institutional reputations, rather than the safety of whether it's newborn babies or young women or female officers. As you say, the fact that the Met, this Met Police case, they didn't even want to protect one of their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were probably, you know, that, that's the that's the extraordinary thing. Um, six forty six is the time. We'll look at all the front pages, including a big story about a Chinese spy who was believed to be the most prolific spy in the UK. Uh, that's up next. This is Talk Breakfast. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio.